Good morning, everyone. A little gloomy out here, but that is okay because guess what? Today is Fantabulous Fight Friday. Good morning, everyone. This is Carol, so AKA Nani Boss, live with two sisters. Good morning, everyone. It's Janice, AKA Wellness Diva 5.0, with a little doggy right there. And, um, you know, he's quiet, so we're just going to leave him there, which I have two little ones, so this is a good thing. So, excuse me, fantabulous Friday, a lot always going on in the world of two sisters and beyond. And uh, let's get the partay or the conversation started. Um, I just want to give a big shout out to my grands who absolutely made great auntie's day, my princess Ray Ray and my Jetty Jed. Oh my gosh, love these kids. Love all my grands, of course, and Kaylee and Know the Code. But um, so, you know, just to see um, my grandniece and grandnephew and so excited to see me just warms my heart. So they just absolutely made my day. So thank you to Princess Ray Ray and Jetty Jed. Yeah, they are having breakfast right now and getting ready for a co-op school, which I'm really excited. Jed, what's the name of that school that you go to? It's called, well, it is, it's a co-op and, you know, alternatives of education with great curriculum that you're not in the public school because there's just so much going on. And I'm uh, really excited to to see classrooms, what they do. So they do this on place. Uh, oh, we're having a little trouble with the thing. And I think most people, and we've talked about this, our homeschooling have found out the schedules are more efficient each day. Um, the children are getting ahead of where they would be otherwise because everything is about quality, not quantity. So in a shorter period of time, they're learning um, whatever school curriculum they have that particular day, whatever the teachings are. And they are also incorporating so many different avenues with there's a farm and forest school, there's ways to do field trips, different co-ops. And it's really expanding not only the horizon on learning and really absorbing what's going on in our world and being involved in their community. It's really opening up a door, another avenue to make other great relationships with brand new friends, um, as well as the, really the parents, parents really kind of collaborating together on creative ways in really uh, emphasizing you know the importance of, of of learning and different ways to learn because we all know we always talk about this everyone is different we look different our insights are different our healthy is different well so what our learning styles are different and those that really took this on took it by the bullhorns and they're really seeing their child really progress in such a way that i think in some ways they're uh, surprised because you know we always talk about the parent the caregiver is really the first teacher of that child. And now to take on where they should be in the normal school brick and mortar building, have taken on that role a step further because let's face it, mommy is daddy or mommy and daddy, but you walk into whatever classroom setting that you've created at your home, then it becomes you know the teacher, Mrs. Mrs. Brown, Mrs. Smith. So you know that you know, it's, you're, you're playing, you get, you're into a hats, which women, I have to give the shout out to all women and dads too. We, we have an ability to wear multiple, multiple hats 
And that's something to celebrate on this Antagonist Friday. I think it really is. And it just goes to show you the dynamic. Jana, you're frozen. She might be frozen. It's like no. she's frozen. I'm not sure. She's, no, right. not frozen. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Looks like we are having technical difficulties on both ends. So obviously we, uh, we do apologize. Now Carol Sue is frozen on my end. I can hear. We're just checking, see where the connection is. Sometimes this happens on a live video. I'm gonna go out here. See if we can connect. Hold okay. on. Hold on. I'm just double checking something. No problem. Okay. All right. There we go. I think we got a better connection now. This is what happens on live video sometimes, right? It, yeah, exactly. There we go. And so you know, I'm changing my direction of where I am now. I'm outside, but I'm not getting wet. So that is a good thing. But you know, that happens on, you know, depending on where we are, the connection may be good, the connection may be not so good. So I'm not sure, uh, I, I would imagine that we both froze up for a second because I couldn't see you. Um, I don't know where we left off, but we're talking about Fantabulous Friday and all the goodness of homeschooling and being a part of what's going on in this real uh, movement of parents taking charge of their child's education and uh, what a blessing it's been. But today I'm going to a co-op school to see uh, a, another way of, of kids, kids being taught and really learn things from a gamut of different teachers. So it's pretty exciting. That does sound exciting. And what I was trying to say before, I think it's um, amazing um, in just a short amount of time, how things have e evolved. And when presented with um, different mechanics of, let's just say what was happening and to implement new strategies to make it happen for, you know, parents around the world, um, moms, dads, or, you know, those different households where, you know, you have the mom or the dad that is working uh, still from home, um, not in their brick and mortar business. And they're not only working from home, but they're also trying to oversee their child's homeschooling or virtual situations, classrooms, whatever. So much has happened, but, you know, it just goes to show you that the resiliency of in the commitment to make this a better place for our children is uh, paramount. And what better way to do that, to start with, with education right at home and now a co-op situation. So I think oh, that's pretty amazing. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, last night we, uh, you know, as we've, we've kind of, you know, I've been sharing with the journey of, you know, parents fighting back for what's going on in the schools, because, you know, the whole intent is to really get children back into, you know, that kind of normalcy of going to school. Uh, but some things have to change. And we have a group of parents, caregivers, stakeholders, business owners in this particular district, as I've um, really been sharing the journey. It's been a six months of really developing a case uh, against the school committee board, uh, as well as the administration. And, you know, it, it, you go from one rabbit hole to the next. And last night, you know, was an opportunity to share with parents from both towns in this particular district, the not only the curriculum, but the inconsistencies of what is going on between who is in charge between the school committee, and then you have a superintendent that uh, you think that he's actually the, the the one uh, pulling the strings, I, I should say, 
And what they're finding is there's too many inconsistencies with the curriculum that's coming through, as well as CRT, SEL, and CSE. And guess what? Uh, we officially, uh, it's going to be, a, once we now have talked to many parents of both districts, uh, we have, uh, this group has filed the necessary paperwork in either town for a recall. And we, you know, we're, we're starting our initiative to kind of blast that out. We, uh, the affidavits have been submitted to both uh, the two towns and they are looking to recall five seats at that table that do not represent the majority of this district that sadly have, um, have really, the only word to describe what they do is a, it's a dereliction of duty. They are not meeting the needs of the, cons, uh, the constituents that voted them in, as well as the needs of the children. And the whole theme uh, of this year from an administrative point of view has been to change the hearts and minds of children. And parents question that. Why would you wanna change my child's heart and mind? And sadly, yeah, there are people that need to change their hearts and minds and it's not the children. It's the people that are supposed to be protecting them. It's the people that are supposed to be representing them. It's the people that are supposed to have their best interest and do what's right for the majority and not asking questions, not being proficient in understanding their oath, not being proficient in how they're actually supposed to do their job as an elected official is not going unnoticed. And the only way to change that is to change who's at the seat of the table. And that's what's happening. So this is our official day that we're gonna be starting to blast that out to the public um, because the affidavits have been received. We have confirmation of that. And people need to know, they need to start poking into what's going into their child's education. We've revealed uh, very pornographic books within the library, especially in the high school. Um, ones that would be considered uh, reading almost a uh, rape victim's uh, account uh, of her rape in a police report. Uh, these are very graphic books. We have proof of them. Uh, we also have, uh, you know, it's just a whole history of what we've been digging and building into the case, emails, uh, public records that really contradict what has been told to the public. And we're exposing that. And it's not about personality. It's not about, oh, I don't like that person, so I don't want them there. They're just not doing their job. They, uh, are, have become complacent. We have two members. I believe one member has been on for 37, 38 years. Another one's been on for 34, 35 years. Um, and then there are some that have political biases. You know, when you are an elected official, uh, part of your oath is not showing, uh, obviously, if you're not representing a party, is to not show your political bias or your ideologies. And what is going on today is a travesty and is egregious because children are being indoctrinated with this program that's called SEL, which is the stepping stone to CRT. And SEL stands for uh, social emotional learning, which back in the day was very prevalent for a child that has special needs and, and it should not be taken away from them. Their needs are different from a child that don't have the special needs or an uh, IEP plan. So we're not saying that because those have to those families have to be embraced. The other children that have to be embraced are those that don't have a lot of parental uh, guidance or you know maybe uh, a one parent situation that parent needs help. So again, services need to be provided for those children. But to blanket the entire district into this new version of social emotional learning, which is the core root of it is to really put a wedge between the caregiver, the parent from the child. So in there, this SEL, the, the framework of it, the first thing is 
not about the social emotional learning connection with the parent. It's about the social emotional learning connection with the teachers. Teachers are not psychologists. They're there to teach history, English, math, uh, sciences. They're not there to be psychologists to children. Um, how many times can we relate to, you know, one day you may, may run to somebody, you're just not in that good mood. We always talk about mindset, but that should not, uh, you know, that first meeting or maybe that encounter does not depict who you are as a person. Maybe you're just having a bad day. Well, we could definitely say that for children. So the first thing that they're trying to do is connect the child, not with the parent. They want the child to uh, come to the teacher. The second piece of that wheel, because it's a wheel that they use a framework, is the school. So again, not the parent, go to the school, go to the school administration, You know, leave the parent behind. Third comes the parent and then the community. And that's a problem. You, it's a deliberate method, methodology of putting a wedge between the child and the student. We just, uh, the child and the uh, parent, we just learned like breaking news last night that a neighboring town in part of their SEL that they're introducing is now having children uh, grades six and under, uh, they each have a diary. The diary stays at the school. They want the children to talk about a certain topic of emotion. And then they're to turn in that diary every Friday to the teacher. The teacher then discusses the issue. The parent is totally excluded from this. The other thing that we've uncovered in this particular state is that medical um, doctors, medical facilities, your physician, your doctor's offices are now, you know how it's so cool, you know, you can go online. She said, just had this test. I want to go on my chart. And a lot of hospitals and doctor's offices have adapted that. Great. It's so great, right? Uh, a 13-year-old now can have her own chart and the parent has to ask permission to get into that child's chart. Mm -hmm. 13 years old. That should not be a, a child at 13 years old, 14 years old, 50. A child uh, is under the guidance of their parent until they're 18, not the other way around. So there's a, it's not just happening in the schools. It's, it's spilling over into many areas and we've enlightened a lot of parents. And this, uh, the school committee has turned a blind eye to it, except for maybe one or two. So we don't wanna call them all out. We wanna make sure we're clear on that. But this district is going to recall five total of five, and we will see if the town sits on it. If either town sits on it, that's gonna be an issue. Uh, but it was a very powerful week between meetings and uh, today's our official day to, to blast that off. So we're starting right here on two sisters. Breaking news. awesome is that? Just curious, I have a question for you. You sure. said uh, that you're going through the process of recalling five. How many are actually on that board? Uh, that's, there's five. There's a total of seven, sorry. There's a total of seven. We are recalling five. So there is, uh, because this is the a, uh, two towns, it's, it's a district with two towns. One town is having two of them recalled and one town will have three recalls. Now, <laughs> again, there's a process that it goes through. They've been submitted to either town clerk. And, you know, we, we've, we've got a little bit of legal pushback, uh, but we're going to be pushing right back. We're going to see. We're going to see if they sit on them. The point being is we want to get it out to the public that they are, in fact, we've uh, this group has submitted the uh, necessary affidavit. So we follow the uh, recall process to the law. Uh, we've had um, legal counsel on that and uh, legal counsel is going to kind of wait and see what we can do because they, they are like, you guys are on it. You're strong. You, you, you followed it to the law. You submit it. You guys can do this because it's, you know, kind of small. I don't want to say small potatoes, that initial get-go part of actually submitting. 
Um, but we, we, like I said, we, uh, you have to submit, and each town has a different recall process, meaning, <laughs> excuse me, by numbers. So maybe one town might need 10 affidavits per person or whoever you're recalling, uh, and another town may have uh, 25. So we went over and above because obviously the town clerk, the process, the town clerk would have to uh, verify uh, that that person is a registered voter. Um, everything has to be certified by a notary. So their signatures are witnessed by a notary. All have been done that. And then they will also verify that their address matches, um, you know, where they vote uh, to make sure that they're actually a registered voter. So there is a process we've submitted. Um, and I believe um, the official date that they received them was on this past Tuesday. Today is Friday. Obviously, we have not heard back from anything, but we are blasting it out so everyone knows what is going on. And, you know, when you're when you're recalling or attempting to recall, I should say that when you're attempting to recall five out of seven, there's a reason for that. And it's not, it has nothing. And I want to make sure that people understand that this has nothing to do about personality, uh, anyone's personal life. It is about dereliction of duty, plain and simple. They are not following their code of ethics. There's uh, many open meeting violations. They are not meeting the constituents' needs and they're not being, the transparency is probably the, 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 the biggest piece to it because parents have questions and they're like, we're not going to answer. They just refuse to answer. They sit up there like paper cardboards, except for maybe one or two um, that really have it. And you know, the, the, the public didn't just say, let's go for a recall. Like we've gone to the meetings. Uh, you know, I fly back here all the time for that. And we've asked, to you know, meet the parents halfway. You know, you would think an elected official. I don't know, Jan, on your, on your point of view of this, but you would think an elected official would want to partner with her constituent. You know, would want to say, "Hey, you voted me in. Um, tell me what you think is is not right. What can I do to improve? What can you know? Oh, you've got a good idea." Um, they meet maybe out of a hundred percent range, ten percent, if that. And you can't have that. Um, because they, they, the school district in itself, the administration, which obviously is separate from the school committee, did a survey on certain issues. And, and one of the issues was, of course, uh, wearing masks to make a choice. Um, over close to 70% said, no, you know, choice is fine, but we don't want the mandate. Well, of course, in this state, it is a mandate for children in, in uh, grades five years old or age five years old and up and staff. And that is mandated by a... Uh, hypocrisy government in this particular state because they just had last week actually a week ago or maybe it's been two weeks now first weekend in november they had the massachusetts school committee um like conference for the weekend close to 70 percent were not even masked and the commissioner who's ordering this mandate wasn't masked all weekend they were in a hotel they were in i think uh nantucket having a grand old time. I mean, obviously they broke out in sessions. Uh, some were mass and that is okay. But the point is choice. And that choice should also be given to students, uh, staff, and it's not. And now they're trying to, uh, the school committees as a whole are trying to induct, um, trying to infiltrate um, that parents like be masked up for a school committee meeting when they don't even fall under the same bracket. They don't, that's not even under the jurisdiction. So the good thing, the one good thing that the school committee did is they did listen to the parents. We've been begging for this since September to you know, it, it make mass choice at going to a school committee meeting because the, the DESE and the state has no jurisdiction 
because it really would depend on the local mandate. And neither of these towns have any local mandates regarding masks because the numbers don't warrant it. They don't. So there's a whole gamut of things that are going on, but you know, we're excited. We've, we're passionate about, we love sharing what we've learned and we're still learning. You know, we go, we go through one hoop and then we find out it leads us to another hoop. And the problem is that we have a broken system. And the only way to change that broken system is to get new people in place. And again, it has nothing to do with their personalities, their personal lives. It has nothing, I'm sure they're all nice people. It has nothing to do with that. It's just, they are not doing their job. And we got to change that up. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to go back to where you start, you know, start to ask me, you know, from my point of view, um, how do I say this without it coming out really strong? I'm just going to come out and say it. It's called blatant ignorance. In other words, you have this, obviously this school board, two from one district, three from another, that's five out of, out of seven. So what does that tell you? there's a dereliction of duty. So they have not expected parents to come out as they have grandparents, whatever it may be, family, friends to start the pushback. So when this originally started happening, everything was being sweeped under the rug as it has been. Oh, nobody will notice this because nobody ever comes. Well, then people started to show up. Now it's at the point where they're trying to push back and say that they are doing things in a certain way. And obviously this is from my point of view and I just wanna let everybody know, I have not been to any of these meetings, but I'm just trying, you know, from a legal standpoint and I am not an attorney, I'm a former paralegal, 30 years experience. And, but what I've learned from my 30 years is that there's a human behavior and connection with blatant ignorance. You either do something because you wanna do something or you do something because you don't want to do something. It's still blatant ignorance. If it's not, uh, if you are representing um, the children, meaning the school board, and, but you are not following through with what you are supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it without insinuating your ideologies or any political things, that's blatant ignorance. So shame on those five. That's all I have to say. And, and um, we're going to be talking about this a lot more. In fact, uh, I have a little conversation with you after this recording, things that just came up in my head. I don't want to share them right at the moment. I probably will at some point, but <laughs> she's always good for that. Folks. She's always good for that. <laughs> I have a lot of good ideas, but sometimes I don't want to share them, you know, outright, but and like I said, I probably will at some point, but really the point being is if you are a parent, grandparent at one of these meetings and you're presenting, for instance, what you said about one of those books that's absolutely pornographic. I recall seeing about two months ago, a video of such parent doing that. It was caught on um, some major news networks caught it and <laughs> She, the parent was presenting the book to the board that approved it, yet they shut her off. So what does that tell you? Blatant. Exactly, exactly. And sadly, the part being is in, in, in their defense, uh, you know, a school board, a school committee is an elected body and they have oversight, but they do not 
uh, get involved with the day-to-day activities until it reaches a certain you know, level. Uh, you know, we have followed, and I want people to understand that there is a chain of command that you have to, to go to. And our thing with these books in particular, uh, and actually some of the national books that you've heard with uh, the Virginia parents, these are the same books that are in this district. Ironically, the cartoon book, which is all, it looks like the whole book is comics. Um, and the pictures are explicit. Uh, we've actually spoke to one attorney who would say, I would be marching down. I would have every single parent march down to the local courthouse and file a criminal complaint, um, uh, elicit you know, pornographic material to a minor because these are minors. Now, we are not talking about censorship. We are not talking about re, uh, you know, that this book should never be bought. Uh, there's a time and a place and these books uh, are not in the right place. And this is not the right time for these young minds to be looking at those kinds of things. We're not saying that they're never gonna look at those kinds of things. We are not saying that they're not gonna explore their emotions and who they are, uh, their identity and who they, uh, the, the natural aggression of or progression of, you know, a child developing and emotions and all that, of course. Uh, what we are saying is that there is certain literature, if you want to call some of this literature, that is it's not appropriate. And don't you remember the days where even commercials, uh, ha, you know, had to be appropriate, age appropriate? Uh, how about you know the the warning on cigarette labels? Children couldn't buy cigarettes at a certain age. You can't drink uh, till until until a certain age because it's a requirement. It's a matter of age appropriate. You can't drive a vehicle for a certain age. And when you come into talking about um, and they've relabeled it before it would be called health education. Now they're, now they're naming it comprehensive sex education. Parents are not comfortable with that. That is something that parents age appropriate are gonna to talk to their own children in the privacy and confines of their own home. Now we understand that some children are missing those needs. So we're not saying it has to be blanket either way, but you have to realize that you, by doing that and trying to infiltrate the child's mind, you are putting a wedge between the sole guidance of that parent or caregiver. And now you put a wedge. So the child is gonna feel by the way that they're slowly indoctrinating them, that the school and the teachers are the one that they need to depend on for social emotional learning. That's not happening. <laughs> Excuse me, that's not happening. And that's where parents are like, whoa, wait a minute here. These are my children. Until they're 18, they're my children. That is how it works. And people need to, sadly, they need to get involved. And I think the sad part of it is, especially in this district, is you have so many people that will show up for a marijuana dispensary. You'll have so many people that will show up for some zoning meeting regarding Amazon or a brewery. You know, children deserve, and they don't have the voice. They're not old enough to have the voice. They don't have the mental ability to have the voice to speak up for themselves. Yes, when, you know, later on in high school, they're developing that maturity. That's a whole different ball game. But again, under the guidance of their parent, there's parents that are very uh, involved with their child's life. And so it should be. Now we do also know that a lot of children fall through the cracks. So this again, is not talking about those children. This is talking about the majority of children uh, that this type of indoctrination should not happen, should not be intervened. And uh, hopefully we will be successful, but we, a step one was completed. We're very proud. And that is what I'm celebrating on this Fantabulous Friday. 
That is amazing. And on that note, we're going to close it out by saying Fantabulous Friday. Celebrate your wins this week. Um, go out into your community if you can and find different ways that you can make a difference. My name is Janice, aka Wellness Diva 5.0, and I am with two sisters. And this is Carol, so aka Norny Boss, little horse going on today. Did a lot of speaking last night. So proud of Delhi Charlton, Charlton Delhi United. Uh, it's a great group of parents, caregivers, stakeholders, grandparents that have decided to step the game up, to get involved with whatever child that they love dearly. What I love about it is it's helping all children. That's what we're all about. We are the voice for those that don't, the children. You guys have a great Fantabulous Friday. Have a great weekend. And uh, we will see you Monday for Monday Mindset. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.